0: Welcome to the Lost to Limitless cast hosted by Jack Wilson and Blair Johnston. We want to bring you the very best information within health and fitness that we possibly can to leave you limitless physically, mentally and emotionally. So before we get started we want to ask one thing if you enjoy what you hear today can you please share this with family, friends, social media so that we can help more people. Thank you.
1: Welcome to episode 13 of the Lost to Limitless cast and today we're basically gonna be talking about our experience, taking a little bit of a trip down memory lane (laughs) on our experience on bodybuilding. Obviously, if you guys don't know, myself and Blair have both competed in more than one bodybuilding show, Um, whether it's different different years, different ages, but yeah, we've done that and we just sort of felt like, because now if you guys do follow people on social media... You probably will see now whether you are a bodybuilder or not, whether you just follow, people, but it's sort of the height of bodybuilding season. So yeah. yeah, we just thought we'd take a wee reminisce. But yeah, that's what today's podcast is gonna be about. Miller, how are you? First and foremost.
0: Yes, mate. Not too bad. Not too bad. Doing well, ticking ticking up <laughs> as best as I possibly can. But i <laughs> uh, look looking forward to today's uh today's podcast, something that Myself and Jack have spent a lot of time in our life doing bodybuilding. Um, I think some, somewhere deep down, of us, part of us still absolutely loves it. Um, you know, it's kind of like our own foundations, kind of what got us into training, really, isn't it? Um, but I think what we want to make sure that we cover today is just, you know, our experiences, what has taught us, the pros, the cons. Um, so if there's anyone that's listening um, that has ever thought, about competing in the future this isn't this is to, to let you know from the start this episode isn't about pro competing and it's not against competing at all we just want to talk about our experiences and the, the highs and the lows of it what we enjoyed from it what we didn't enjoy and maybe it'll give you a bit more of a rounded understanding on um on your decision to go down that route if that is something you want to do something that i think you know i've, I've got a few competitors that i coach and the biggest thing that I'll always do when um, someone comes to me about coaching and about stepping on stages I kind of almost tell them the worst parts of it to start with and if that doesn't put them off then I at least know that there's a want there and there's a real want Um, because I feel and I think we spoke about this before me I think on all the way back to one of the first podcasts we spoke about but it's almost like people feel it's a necessity now to step on stage it's like You start your fat loss transformation, you get into good shape. You now must book a photo shoot. And if you don't, then it's not part of your transformation. And if you don't book a photo shoot and then don't go on to stage after that, then you're not doing it right. But it's it's totally not. It should the reason that I I kind of try and put clients off it to begin with is so that I know that they're doing it for the right reason, you know. Um
1: because that's the thing, like you see so many folk doing it and possibly not doing it for the right reasons. And again, we obviously reflect back on that. And that's all we want from us, from you guys today, sorry, as far as to just like chat about pros and cons, lessons that we've learned, maybe things that it's taught us. And then well, we're going to possibly talk about things that we, we that we miss about it. Also yeah. things that we don't miss. Um, and hopefully just give you guys some, something totally different. Cause you guys might listen to this and think I'm never interested in it, but actually I'm interested in seeing what, their views as, as coaches or as competitors, so yeah, that's what we just want today to be about a little bit light heartedness, talk yeah. about pros cons and sort of maybe some stories that we've had whilst bodybuilding.
0: So Jack, to start us off, mate, um, talk about your what have you done in bodybuilding in the past. So shows competed, how you done, what what you competed in. Just give the give the listeners a little bit more of an idea of. Um, you know, background. Your background your
1: background within actually competing. Uh so my first show was 2014. Uh I was 19. Uh 2014 done men's physique, and let's say I was not a coach at the time, I was still an apprentice joiner, but I was just sort of time served uh coming up joiner. Um, so I done men's physique in a class, I think, of I could be wrong, um, but I could say something like 24 25 bodies. And um, it was a big big blast. What, was then, man. Yeah, you what that show was that? Uh, UK
0: UKBFF?
1: Yes. Yep. Untested yeah. Non-tested one. Yeah, the untested. Yes, untested one. Um so to, you... Let you,
0: to let you guys know untested just means not tested for steroids. So yeah. most federations are either they won't test, they won't say anything about it, or they'll make a deal that they test you. That's an actual federation. Anyway, sorry, Jack on you. So, yeah, this was, a, this was a non-natural one. But, again, as a
1: 19-year-old, I was completely natural. Any show I did do was natural. Um, and if I was, if I did take any steroids, I'd be open and honest about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that was the first one. Um, no qualifies, no placing. Um, I think I was, like, I think they do actually place you, like, the top 20 there. I think I was, like, 12th or 13th or something like that. Uh, but, again, for me at that time, because I wasn't a coach or anything, it was just more of an accomplishment thing to get confidence. Okay. Then fast forward four years to 2018. Uh, I'd done two shows that year. First one was the start of June, uh, which was UK, no, BNBF, sorry, which again was a natural one now. So that's tested. So usually winners or top three get tested, whether it's urine or whatever way they want to do it. Um, so that was bodybuilding, beginner bodybuilding, uh, or novices it's called. Uh, yeah. And I took second place there, qualified yeah. for the British finals. And then fast forward six weeks after that, or five weeks after that, we then done UKDFBA. Where again, we done novice as well, because they basically take novice as your first season. Again, I know you know that, but for you guys listeners, if you're basically doing bodybuilding as a first time in terms of the actual category, if you do the one full season, you're basically classified as a novice. Um, So yeah, then I took fourth place there, um, and then that was it. I decided that you're not to do the British finals. Um, I'd basically been dying since November 2017. The last yeah. show was on the 14th of July 2018, so yeah. you guys can do the maths. A very long a time. Long time, man. Then continue on to October. Just wasn't wasn't feasible from so many ways, from life quality, etc. Which obviously we'll go into. So yeah, that was my sort
0: of history. That was my sort of background from it. So yeah, why don't quite you a, quite a quite a natural progression there, mate. You know, a lot of a lot of guys may start in the physique category um and then move towards bodybuilding that's quite a common progression within like a competitor um like very much like a like a common progression for females would be to start in something like bikini and then move to something like figure or um you've now got fit body there's quite in fact women's categories, there's there's a there's a ton of them. So but tends to be starting bikini and then kind of moving up the up the way, you know. So it's quite, quite a natural progression, man. You know, what made yeah. you go from physique to them wanting to go bodybuilding? So first off, before
1: I move into that question, which is a good question for you guys listening, the difference between men's physique and shot, the difference between men's physique and bodybuilding. One is the actual clothes that you wear. So yeah. basically, mental physique is usually quite long shots, roughly just about an inch or two above the knee. So you cannot see your legs. Your posing's a little bit more calmer, less aggressive. Mm-hmm. Whereas then bodybuilding, you're literally standing in wide fronts, let's call them. <laughs> you everything to see other than literally what wide fronts cover. Yeah. Posing you would I would classify sort of a little bit more aggressive um, or harsh, shall we say, where you're literally a little bit more, you're looking like you're squeezing. Whereas men's physique, you're meant to not look like you're actually contracting the muscles, a little bit more posey-ish, let's call it. So, yeah. um, Why did I transition from men's physique to bodybuilding? Just more of the progressions that I made from 2014 to 2018. Um, Not even 2014, I sort of could have done it, but at the time it was just confidence. Like I said, I wasn't a coach or anything, so it was just a real sort of confidence thing then. So, for me, it was just more the legs were big enough and legs were good enough to sort of present them rather than necessarily hide them. Um, and, yeah, I just felt more like that was the sort of road that my coach encouraged me to go down as well, um, just to sort of show off me, my personality a little bit more because of, as you know, routines and stuff like that, as well as the posing. you can just naturally give it your all. So, yeah, that was the sort of reasoning behind going from men's physique to bodybuilding. Again, a lot of it was progression, obviously. Um, naturally, I had a little bit more better... better balance between my upper and lower body um, which then obviously you could present well in the bodybuilding category so yeah so yeah that was sort of my history um any questions you've got more than welcome to ask before I move on to you Blair so if you um yeah I'm trying
0: to think actually man um Charles I want to give
1: the listeners your background first before we move into maybe pros and cons but anything off the bat aye, of course um let me
0: know I started competing, so my first season was 20, 2016, so I've been about two years after yourself, mate, um, and I was twenty twenty one 21 at that point. So, we, in fact, me and Jack are both the same age, so two years after, so I was 21 at the time, um, and had been training since I was, like, 16. Um, so, like, at that point, I was like, right, I want to compete. I'm going to embark on it. <laughs> um, and I just, for me, I went for bodybuilding um, straight out of the bat, just because, for me, it was a case that I, I just enjoyed. I, you know, I followed bodybuilders. I watched bodybuilders on stage. It was just like bodybuilding for me was. I never really kind of looked at men's physique. It was always just, I'm going to do it. I want to do bodybuilding. Um, so I competed in the junior category. Um, so this was the Caledonian, which um was the Scottish show at the time, uh, with the UK DFBA. Um, which is, um, again, a, a drug-free... Um, so the BMBF that Jack had mentioned before and the UKDFB are both um, Scottish drug-free um, tested events. Um, so I competed in the junior category there. I placed uh, fourth out of five juniors, to be fair. like And this is not me just saying this. Like, generally, don't get me wrong, if, if you've seen any of the junior classes, which is up until 23 years of age now, um, nowadays the junior CAG they're absolutely stacked, man. The like, boys in there are like unreal. But uh, but at that point in twenty sixteen, yeah, like like at that point in twenty sixteen, like I hadn't seen a junior class like that, and, and and even I can remember the commentator saying that. So I was actually pretty happy to place fourth, um, because of the quality that was there. And then I competed in a, another event. I competed in the lightweight open. Um, which you could do because I was a junior, I could then compete in the open lightweight. We were placed fifth out of five, but again, like some of the guys in there, like again, it was an absolutely stacked class. So I was like, you know what, I can't, I can't even complain for my first season. Um, I looked like I belonged there. Um, which was for me like I didn't look like I stood out being like a sore thumb. Like I looked like I belonged there. I just wasn't the best, which was fine. Um, so fast forward three years after that 2019 which funnily enough is the year after you competed again um I went again uh, at the so I could compete because I competed as a junior and I didn't place you if you compete in a if it's either your first season um or you competing and then you've never placed in a show you can compete in like novice categories um, and you can compete in novice events so I competed in the um usn classic which was another ukdfb show i was down south um and both actually myself and leslie my partner competed uh, in the same day and that was a open lightweight class i competed in then and done i done a lot better i was obviously for me i was kind of pushing for the win i wanted to win i wanted that i wanted that top spot but i placed second um out of I think 15 guys um and to be fair the the quality was the quality was pretty good but I just got bet on bet on muscularity you know and the, the guy that bet me was just that bit taller and that bit fuller than me um but I you know for me it was a case I'm I'm going to make sure I'm that when I first competed in bodybuilding I think the the thing that I got marked not got marked down on but said I could improve on was my conditioning I could have been a bit more leaner could have been more conditioned and um, for me, it was just like, I'm making sure that that doesn't happen again. Like I'm going to be the leanest I've ever been. And Surefire was probably one of the leanest guys on the stage. I just, It's an overall package that they look for and I, I just didn't have it. But I got, a, I got an invite to the British finals, um, but very similar to yourself, Jack. I've been dieting from the December. The show was at the end of May um, and the finals went until October. So it would have been a long time to keep going, but also for me, it was that way where I was like, the what what I need to improve on to get a better placing at the finals, I don't have enough time. There just wasn't enough time to put on the size that I needed to while maintaining condition. Like if I went into that show and play second, and it was a case of I needed to be leaner, then yeah, I would have probably done the finals because I would have had time to improve on it. But yeah. I. Couldn't really properly improve on that package, so it was like, well, "What's the point?" Uh, and then since then, that was three years ago, and I haven't haven't I haven't the stage yet since.
1: And I suppose as well, like for asking any question off the back of that, just sort of thinking out loud, I suppose in a way that is also why, or why I think anyway, why the British finals is that little bit further down in the sort of calendar year. Let's call it one because obviously, obviously they do run qualifiers quite late but also if you do an early one in the season you have quite a bit of time to to improve on if as Blair says um if it's obviously something that you can improve on within let's say in that case in Blair's case what was that let's say the full of June, July, August sort of four months which is what about 16 to 18 weeks give or take um so if obviously he could improve on that is great but obviously for Blair's perspective, that he's obviously saying no. So, with regards to 2000 and let me get this right 2016 to yeah. 2019, yeah. what do you feel that you did differently that then made you get a better result? If there was anything, was it mindset? Did you feel like there was a difference between both preps? Um, prep is just a sort of word that we use for you guys listening, prep is just yeah. something, a word that we use in terms preparing. of preparing. Uh, The preparation of the show, which could be six months, two weeks, ten years, but would you say that you did anything different? Like, would you say that you were more focused in the first one, less focused in the second one, or would you say that you you sort of gave both just the same? Or did you maybe make some mistakes in the first one that you Mm. then didn't make come sort of?
0: So, uh, do you know what there was a there was a ton different between the two preps? Um, Actually, in the first one, um. Uh, the first one actually drove me to develop an, uh, an eating disorder. Um, I basically, um, I, I don't like to say it because I, I don't like to say I was because it wasn't diagnosed, but I was I effectively bulimic. You know, I was making myself sick um, because the scales weren't coming down. I was like so absorbed by scale weight in the first prep. Um, like I would take my scales to work and weigh myself through the day to see where my body weight was at. Um, so yeah, I was in a, a really bad spot on that front. Um and yeah, so my, my my head was mushed through the first one. It was a long prep. I started prepping at the beginning of November, and for my first show, and then I stepped on stage in the June. So again, very similar to actually one of your first preps, mate. Um, quite a long one. Um, but yeah, I just didn't handle it as much, um, or as well as I as I could have, and um. I just kind of made sure that that wasn't the primary focus because I had stepped on stage because I knew where I could get to. Uh, I think in the second prep, I was less focused on the scale weight and more focused on the the final look. Um, Ultimately, when you're stepping on stage, they, they don't tell you what body weight you are. You know, It's just about what you look. But the difference between the first and the second one, a big one for me was the first one I had a coach, the second one I self-coached. I, I prepped myself into the second show, um, which was difficult. Um, as um, I prepped myself and prepped my partner into it, I think the last six weeks I actually got a coach who I had been bouncing off of a lot um, throughout my prep just to kind of get advice and speak to and kind of gauge decisions from. Um, He kind of took over six weeks out because I actually began reversing into stage. So my prep was 24 24 weeks long. uh, And then after 18 weeks, I started reversing into the show. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know what reversing means, that's simply I've got my body weight and my lean. I've got I probably got as lean as I could get. Um, and instead of dropping calories any further, um, I actually began bringing calories back up the way, which would then help me regain fullness. Um, and also improve energy levels. I actually got leaner and body weight dropped even more as I began reversing because I had more energy. My output was higher. Um, so that was a difficult point actually to kind of. To go from 18 weeks of coaching yourself then into like trusting someone to take you into the last six weeks. Yeah, um, as
1: well as trusting, even though that us as coaches know why we obviously reverse, but when you're in that headspace of um blow my
0: mind, man. Yeah, uh,
1: as obviously in a headspace of coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down, get leaner, do more cardio, do more steps, train more, tra- train train with more intensity. That was easy for me to say train with more intensity, <laughs> drop more calories do more steps, do more cardio, just that sort of repeatable process to you know all of a sudden, six weeks out, one, you get yourself a coach after self-coaching for 18 weeks. Yep. To now then push calories back up. So obviously there's a big trust thing there. Yeah. Of, you must have trusted um, the, the coach at the time. Obviously, quite clearly, it may have been a great choice because what you've then got to obviously question is, the thing is, you'll never know. But if you were to possibly still self- Self-coaching and bringing those calories down—would you have possibly burnt out? Would you have possibly got the result that you did get of the second place in the British Invite? Would yeah. you possibly have made it to stage? Would you possibly have? So I suppose there's all these sort of Q and A's on what way if you. If oh, you didn't probably, have, uh, go, mate, you yeah, it So, do you know what I mean? Then that's that's the beauty of it. So, what would you say, Blair, off the back of that? Um, may as well, just sort of get you to still continue on for What would you say? Maybe one of your biggest pros. Of doing bodybuilding is, and then maybe one of your biggest cons um, of doing bodybuilding. That way, then we can sort of whether it's the same as what I would say, but that way then we yeah. can just sort of go into sort of pros and cons of it.
0: Um, pros. What what did I what did I enjoy? Uh, well, in fact, what, what, a big thing that I think bodybuilding has. Um, sorry, it was just a wee bit, of, wee bit of feedback there. Um, yeah, I think one of the biggest um, pros that I've gained from bodybuilding was just the discipline that you learn from it, the discipline to, you know, tick the boxes, get the work done, do what's required. And I think for me, between the two preps, there was, within the second one, there was definitely a lot more discipline within it. Um, and that, I think, single-handedly showed a difference within the, re- the, the finished result, um, which was, you know, I made some, you know, huge improvements from the last time I had stood on stage. Uh, and the discipline especially even within the prep itself made a made a huge thing and it's things that I, I, I talk a lot about in my program project control and stuff a lot about self-belief um, and for me bodybuilding gave me a shit ton of self-belief improving to myself just what I could endure just what I could do when I put my mind to something and I think a lot of people will will agree with me who's competed and do compete in, that they gain a lot of self-belief within that and again they gain a shit ton of confidence not for the reasons that you think about it a, a lot of people might think you gain a lot of confidence from bodybuilding because of the way you look but for me it's not about the way the confidence didn't come from the way I looked because I felt I looked shit because of where my headspace was at My confidence came from my ability to do what I said I was going to do. You know, and I think it was, I can't remember if it was Joe Rogan or someone that was on Joe Rogan or someone speaking, but they were talking about like how your self-belief and your self-confidence comes massively um, as directly linked to your ability to maintain promises to yourself. Accomplishment as well, I suppose achievement. So it's like that discipline of saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it every single day, and then you do it, that builds self-confidence, that builds self-belief, that builds that resilience in yourself. That's what I love about bodybuilding, because it doesn't matter what you say, any person that steps on that stage has had discipline, has had resilience, has more self-confidence within themselves, has more self-belief. That sometimes is fucking hard to get. A con, however, is comparison syndrome you compare whether you're, whether you're an experienced bodybuilder or not, I think I will go as far as saying you'd be lying through your fucking teeth. If you were saying you've never suffered from comparison syndrome, or you don't even have doubts of it at all while going through prep. And that was for me at the first prep, one of the hardest things to, I, I struggled with was comparison all the time, comparing myself. The second prep, I was a lot better at it. It did creep in in the final weeks running up to the competition. One of the reasons I actually picked a competition down south was because that meant I knew fucking no one who was turning up, which meant I could only keep myself to myself. Um, but previously, uh, the, when I was training for the Scottish one, I knew a lot of people who was competing. I would actually go to posing clubs and some of them would be there, you know, and that was hard dealing with the comparison syndrome. So I think, you know, comparison can be the, comparison's is thief of joy. Um, And I think that was one con, big con, because even when I looked, like, shredded and lean, insane for stage, I felt I looked shit. And that was far from the case. But a lot of that was because I felt like shit, you know, because I was on low food, high high output, you know, lack of sleep, you're running yourself, you know, it's controlled starvation, you know. What about yourself, mate? What would you say was, you know, the biggest, a, a big pro and a, a big con for yourself, man? You
1: Couldn't just, agree just, more with yeah. exactly what you said there, because literally, like, before this, I'd sort of created pros and cons, because and I thought myself and Blair are very similar on how we speak, how we coach, which is why we obviously do and um, get on very well. And which is why obviously we we initially said about the podcast, which again usually guys will listen in episode one. So I've really made a few for that reason. But like one of the one of the biggest pros, actually, the first pros was um, creates good habits and being organized, which is obviously exactly what you said. Um, and then one of the first, first cons I've got is competition with others. Okay. Um, and that sort of body this mafia. But the sort of pros that I would say definitely gave me, um and sort of lives with me for a long time, is sort of what I call, or food quality is food quality, um, but also what I call food hygiene, um, and not necessarily for you guys, what I mean, food hygiene, I don't mean as in like washing my hands before I eat, like,
0: <laughs> or washing your lettuce before you eat <laughs> it. Uh,
1: what I mean is like things like being present when I eat my meal, like actually chewing my food, because when calories become so low, they become very precious, and <laughs> um, calories again anyone that's even listened to this like what we on the first of June and um, you may be now maybe dieting, like might even be one of our own clients um yeah, yeah. but chances are you'll know how precious calories are when they get low so in order to make those calories last longer for me it's like having these sort of good food hygiene rules and it's like again food quality so picking picking foods that you eat on a daily basis that's what what we would sort of call more nutrient then so you're going you're going to get more calories for your money or more food sorry um for your money type mm-hmm. thing so for the amount of calories 100 calories i'd rather have 100 calories where i'm going to have more food for 100 calories than 100 calories for less food but more the food hygiene things so just things like um for me like now still sticks to me like as i say just chewing my food actually being present taking a fork full putting my fork down counting how many chews it takes Sometimes, mate, I used to just time myself how long it would take me to eat a meal. Um, Just wee things like maybe even like (laughs) using a smaller size of spoon,
0: using a smaller size. (laughs) Mate, I was just going to bring that up. Like, (laughs) I still eat everything with a fucking teaspoon, man. (laughs) Just
1: just like wee things. like, for me, that's massive because, like, now if I ever go into a um, more like a fat loss phase, if I'm going to diet for, like, I've done a photo shoot before off the back of shows, um, if I'm just like want to get lean on to go on holiday and calories do come down, all right, they're probably not going to be as low as what they were like at the time I'm referring to. But they still like you can still make those calories go a long way with sort of food quality 100%. and food hygiene. Um so yeah, and again, like that's even just things like you guys can take away from this. Um, like even like the like the the pro that Blair was talking about, like just being organized, like, having that discipline, like being organized, creating those good habits around getting your sessions in. That's basically what that does, because as Blair says, it's that you you don't want to let yourself down because you want to go and step on the stage. So it's like you need to have those habits and routines. Yeah, but so yeah, I would say that's probably one of the biggest pros for me is that sort of food quality and food hygiene. One of the biggest cons, um, and I know obviously Blair touched upon it and like just want to obviously thank Blair for being open about it. But no. just having a bad relationship with food, um, like for me, it was probably one of the biggest cons that I have or I had, sorry, um, when bodybuilding is because you do become so focused on calories um, that you are very aware of now. Again, that's the sort of con of being bringing food quality to the table. You will then be very strict on the foods that you then consume. So not only now you're having it when calories are a little bit higher, you may have these types of foods little and often, you now all of a sudden have them zero, um, which is not obviously, it's not healthy, which then you now start to resent certain foods, or you now start to resent certain people for having certain foods in front of you. Then now, basically, now you start to see food as good and start to see food as bad, which at the end of the day, food is something we'll eat to the day we die. Yeah. Yes, certain foods will have better nutrients in it that will do better for us, physically, mentally, emotionally, et cetera. But most importantly, it's just food, um, okay. which is obviously something that I felt like I struggled with. Um So yes, I sort of would say that's sort of one of the biggest sort of um, cons that I sort of faced when it came to bodybuilding just because it took me a long time to overcome that, Um, which is why obviously one thing now inside the sort of programme that I run is one of the main things I want people to come on board and walk away with is sort of what I call food freedom. Um, Being able to see food as food and something that it's used to fuel the body and fuel their goals in the correct way rather than seeing it as good or bad because usually
0: that sorry man to interrupt you but do you think that if you had to um if you ever had to compete again that you would now with the knowledge that you have and that kind of perspective you now have on food find it easier to prep and go through that and not fall into those tendencies because of the experience you've had and do you feel like you gained that experience only because you've been to one side of the scale uh, so to answer the first
1: part of that question, again, it's hard to say if, unless you know you're going to do it. But yes, I think it would um, with now the relationship I now have with food yeah. um, and also seeing how crippling it was upon reflection. But also yeah. now seeing like clients when they come on board from a sort of similar backgrounds where they've done like um, different fad diets or maybe even like things like seeing um, like Slimming World and things like that. Now these things have great places they do, um, but it's what they sometimes maybe teach you about food. Yeah like seeing food as sins or seeing food as sort of points, things like that. Um, But yeah, definitely would say I would look at it now differently because I've been there um, Mm. and I now have that good relationship relationship with food. And like Mm. I say, how crippling it was for me personally. Um, Again, at the time, did you really notice it? Probably not as much as now when you're upon reflection. To answer the second point, it's hard, I suppose, as well. But yeah, I probably would say I now experience that with going. I think you have to go through these tunnels to know that those were the right tunnels the wrong tunnels um, to go through these experiences. So yeah, I suppose to answer the second part, yeah, I probably think I now see that and have that with being through it. And as you said, being on the other side.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that, you know, I've said this to clients before, and some people might think this was weird, but. Like, my job as a coach isn't to always... I don't view it as always trying to stop you from making mistakes. It's to stop you making the same mistakes that I've made to the level that I made them at. Like, you will, like, experience as the best teacher of them all rather than, like, fucking just me tell like Someone can tell you something and it'll come in one year, but there's a good chance it'll fucking go out the other and only a small part of it will stay. But if you experience something you truly understand it so like it's that way it's like um you know give them like give I give my clients enough rope so that they trip up but not enough to hang themselves you know what I mean like it comes from that that kind of understanding like yes I will I don't want my clients to make mistakes of course but if they're going to make mistakes I'm rather that I'm here to overwatch them making the fucking mistakes because they'll learn from it it's the experience it gives us learning so that's that's just why I wanted to ask that because you know, I'm the same. But like, obviously, I came from like, like when I did my first prep, and I had those kind of, you know, that that huge, really bad relationship when it came to food and scale weight. I think, I think for myself, it probably was less of a bad relationship with food and more of a bad relationship with scales that caused it. That was definitely the causation and the trigger point of it. Um, and if I hadn't done that, and I hadn't been through that, I don't think I would have had the same. Ability to go through the second prep and now go through life and now teach my clients because you've um, be on the other side because I'm now on the other side and I now have an experience and full true understanding as to how little scale weight actually matters, it is just one tool and a piece of guidance.
1: So, just to obviously help the listeners understand, and obviously, me because I, I obviously we've spoken about this before, but I've never actually asked you, it, man. How did we fix this? So, what was your what was your then steps? Because at the end of the day, there will people listen to this whether they're inside our programs or not. Um, that will naturally have a poor relationship with the skills, which then, as you said, will possibly then create this relationship with food. And um, which then, I, which then, obviously, comes to that thing I also said about body dysmorphia and things like that. So, how did you at least start anyway? How did you start the process of then fixing that? Blur? Like, what sort of steps did you do to
0: the first part, like very, very common piece of advice is I just opened up to some of the people around me for what was going on. Um, at the time, the guy that I worked with, I opened up to him. He was like one of the first people and my sister. Um, I opened up to, this was actually prior to me, myself and Leslie, um, like getting together. Um, we, we didn't get together till just after my first show. Um, but then after that, Leslie was a huge proponent in the recovery process um, obviously opened up to her she was always kind of um, keeping an eye on me asking me questions how am I feeling you know why am I still doing it what's going on um, and then for a while I kind of just sacked scales to the side um, and really just tried to overcome the thought processes that were going on like in my head um, because the scales were the trigger and I had to I had to get rid of the trigger um, until I then got into a healthier place. Physically and mentally, um, to then get back to a place where I could then weigh myself, um, and then it was when I was in a fitter, healthier place, really just sitting down and trying to gain perspective on it and understanding as to like, okay, well, why was I doing that, and was that the reason that I didn't look fantastic on stage? Um, I kind of just compared and kind of thought about the full prep as a whole, um, so a large part of it began with support and leaning into others and getting their viewing, getting their understanding and talking to them and then removing the trigger and then kind of trying to reflect on everything, everything passed. Uh, and the reality was mate, that my discipline wasn't, um, wasn't as good as it needed to be in the first prep. Um, so for instance, like even though I had a coach and he set me step counts, it wasn't really enforced too much. Not trust me, like anyone who's competing, step count to the general public might seem like it's just a little target, but when you're prepping, step count can be awesome. it can be fucking huge and it can game change your physique. Like it's something as simple as fucking walking, but it can be a fucking game changer. And one of the things that happened to my second prep was like like step count was like you were fucking nailing it every day, Blair. And if you weren't, you were making up for it. And I'm not saying that that, um, StateCount itself made for the massive change in condition, but it played a fucking role, right? So, um, yeah, um, that that was a big bit. But yeah, when it came to overcoming, it came to getting support to begin with, removing the trigger, and then when I was in a physically and mentally healthier place, then being able to sit back and reflect. I feel like if I was trying to reflect where my head wasn't in a great place, it wouldn't have helped. Um, it probably would have potentially tried to reinforce it rather than actually understand the causations, the reasons, and the results of it. And when we start to understand the result and the causation, then we then know that next time going in, I had the experience of, I know why I'm. That didn't remove the trigger. It didn't because I had to weigh myself to know where it was going. So the trigger was always there, but it was that way of looking at it and being like, okay. I know why I feel like this, but I also understand that the scale weight is, is bigger than just this today. It's the it's the it's the average over the week, it's the average over the prep, you know?
1: Yeah, and exactly. And that's as you said, like obviously one, just appreciate you being honest with the with the yeah. with the listeners. But that's the thing. It's like there's a lot of folk that will be able to relate to that. And sometimes it is, as you say, like obviously we talk a lot, we probably talk about um a lot of sort of eliminating the trigger or at least identifying the trigger first and yeah. foremost um well that could be again not really trying to relate it to skills but it could be maybe over over consuming on calories so it's like like there's obviously something that's causing our clients to over consume on calories it could be something like a, a specific environment a specific person it could be the fact that you maybe buy the said foods and that you're now over consuming on but it's about sometimes identifying that and then as you said then building that relationship with that trigger up, eliminating it, but then as you said, the fact that you built yourself up as a, as a human, as a person, became physically better, mentally better, and in a much more stable place, and a much more positive place, that then allowed you to slowly reintroduce the skills in this, in yeah. this instance back again, which then allowed you to go, well, do you know what? Now, because I now measure my happiness and my success off of X, Y, and Z, and no longer the skills. That probably now what made you become, one, the coach you are now, but also, two, the person you are now, which then obviously allowed that sort of transition into a much better place of sort of being able to then go into the sort of 2019
0: prep. Oh, mate, totally. Again, and like when I went into 2019 prep, I had an idea of where I needed to be. I think when you, for anyone who, who's doing bodybuilding or understanding bodybuilding a good place to kind of start your uh, a good way to gauge your second prep off of your first prep is to know what stage weight you were and as it gives you a rough idea as to where you want to aim for um and actually from the two years uh, three years of training and um, three years of gaining muscle and dieting down I stood in the stage at the exact same weight but the look totally was fucking astronomically different um but I focused more I focused less on the scale weight and that prep and more focused on how I looked it was all about taking photos comparison comparing how am I looking am I looking flat am I looking thing am I pulling in the right areas you know so that was it you know what what would you say for yourself mate was one of the kind of the because obviously that for me was a huge lesson What what would you say was kind of one of the biggest lessons that you ever kind of over your years of competing what did you if you had to kind of have like that one lesson that you kind of for, for me,
1: like what I've, I've got, I wrote a few down. Um, but me more probably goes back to what you said. Uh, sort of one of the pros and how you tied that into your pros, probably just sort of learning and sort of how I taught myself that I can do more and achieve more than I thought. Um, and that just comes from that again, that sort of self, self belief and self sort of confidence and self empowerment. Um, just realizing that I can go further mentally and physically than what I what I initially thought. Because the initial thought, for example, to give you guys an insight, for the initial thought of when when my coach then says, right, we're going to now drop hammer come November time, knowing that my first show is in June, which is the sixth month of the year, I'm now in the 11th month of the year, straight away knowing that I'm going to try and roughly be dying for seven and a half months, knowing that the, the second show of the year that we we're aiming for was another four weeks after that, so for eight and a half months of the year, there's only 12 months in the year, I'm gonna be dying for. That's a, for me, it's like, well, wait a minute, that's, that's impossible. Aye. So you're already, I'm already starting off in a negative manner. So for me, that was probably one of the biggest lessons because it was what, it, what, what I taught myself and what it taught me was like how, again, you said it as well, but there's that sort of discipline and how resilient you can become and how you build that resilience. Because of again, it's that also goes back to everything that we always say. As to it's the why. It's it's doing it for the right reasons. Um, and quite clearly, that year, I thought I was doing it for the wrong reasons when I first started with that with that sort of outlook on it. Yeah. But then, quite clearly, I was doing it for the right reasons because I managed that whole eight and a half months, really eight months of of sort of dieting. Um, what was your of, reason then? For me, it was just more. Again, I think it was more that accomplishment thing. It was more that how can I go and prove to myself that I can now do this? Because I knew that it was outside my comfort zone, but also knowing that I wanted to show to my own self that I'd bettered myself in four years, as I, again, now as a coach, whereas obviously eh, 2014, sorry, I wasn't a coach. So now moving into being a coach, I wanted to prove it to myself um, and prove that I can make those changes that I I always sort of told myself I would make. Um, So for me, it was just more like a more personal reason um, mm-hmm. yeah okay you would love like I always did think that I would love to be able to go on a stage and come away with a trophy um, I did like that was always one of the one of the goals but it was never the main goal because I didn't want to upset myself because being able to then go and do that was a massive achievement anyway but um, yeah so for me I'd say probably my, my sort of biggest why and biggest reason or one of them anyway was just to sort of prove to myself that you could um, but also thinking I think on the back of my head thinking that I couldn't so I think that's why it's probably one of the biggest lessons that it did teach me was because it, I now realise how mentally strong or more mentally strong than what I initially thought. Um, because if I reflect back upon my first one, um, weirdly, I was probably close to giving up. I competed in the May, May the 11th, 2014. And... Um, or maybe the 14th, I think it was, I can't remember. Um, but my granda passed away roughly around four or five weeks beforehand, um, which is a 19-year-old. Again, we spoke about it before, you think you're this adult and things like that, but really you're not. Um, so that sort of rocked me a little bit. So I think then it sort of I lost a little bit in between that. So I think it was then to show myself, like, you can do it again, even with the sort of toughness of life and the sort of challenges of life. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I had was just showing that you can probably do more than what you think. And also as a sort of takeaway point for probably the listeners, like, trust me, the body will go further than the mind. Like the, mind, the mind will always give up first. So again, as again, we probably seen like at broken records, but that's part of being a good coach, as you repeat the same things. We've spoken about it so many times, having that why and having that reason big enough to as to why you're doing it will keep you mentally there because mentally you will always want to give up first before the body. And it's the same like if you've ever had a session with a friend, a session with one of myself and Blair, um, a session with another maybe coach or another personal trainer or whatever, you'll always think, all right, cool, I've done ten reps, and they're asking for another two. It's the mind that wants to give up the two. It's not rest of the body because yeah, even you if give
0: yourself an endpoint, you know.
1: Yeah, because if they give you that little bit of a spot, let's say it was on a squat, let's say it's on a chest press, and they slightly gauge your elbows, the body can physically do it but it's the mind that wants to give it up. And it's something that, again, I think, like myself and Blair, i possibly say it's a, as a pro of sort of going to those deep depths of preparation of low calories, of low energy, of low moods, of sort of feeling that sort of competition with others. allows you to realise that the body and the mind is a lot more capable than what you actually think.
0: Yeah, it can handle so much more than your day-to-day um especially in your training I think that's one of the biggest things people don't understand is you give up well before your body gives up <clears throat> your body can push through way more than you allow allow yourself or give your body credit for um and, and prep just goes to show that you know like if you think about it on your deeps like for me like on a deep 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 into prep last time round you know I'm not a big I'm not a big guy um I think I was on I think just before starting to reverse. think I was on like one high one high day five six lows and my six low days were something around 1400 calories a day um training five times a week doing 1500 calories of cardio a week which is effectively 150 minutes of cardio a week you know um a hit session as well um and I was still progressing in my training I was still pushing out big numbers I was still Digging deep, and I had less food than I've had in, you know, I had in, in forever forever. Um, so it goes to show that your body is capable of a lot more than you allow yourself credit for, you know.
1: Yeah, and I, I also wrote that as well. Like you probably agree on that because you slightly touched upon it. But one of the lessons I think I taught myself was that you can train with a lot more intensity and train a lot harder and with more intent than what you probably thought as well. Because you, as you naturally think, you think. As Blair said there, like, can you imagine still hitting, not necessarily PBs, because there will come a time when you will stop hitting personal bests, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a fact, but being able to hit numbers that you maybe didn't think on, let's say what Blair said, 1,500 calories of cardio, 1,400 calories to 1,500 calories consuming daily with one high day a week, which even then, his high day might only be in 2,000 to 2,500 at a push. Yeah, about 2,000 maximum. So then on top of that, he's probably hitting anywhere between, I would imagine, 10 to... Twelve thousand. I was on about
0: fifteen k steps a day. At that
1: fifteen thousand steps on top of then probably running a business or running a life or still yep. trying, to, still trying to socialise with his mates or at least not be the the friend that everyone spoke about. So yep. there's a lot to do there. But it's about now seeing like, can you still shop in your gym sessions and still like sort of take yourself to those deep dark places? Um, and that's sort of one thing that I think everyone um that has done that with experience will definitely like definitely says it's a lesson that you can actually train a lot harder with more intensity and create more intensity than what you actually think with little sort of food or little energy. Um, And again, sometimes that comes from again, your why, your reason as to how you want to feel off the back of that session. But I think as well, that comes to environment and like who you possibly train with, the type of gym that you train in, the type of music you might listen to when you train. And again, these are things that you guys can take away. Like you just can take away, regardless if you're getting in shape for going on holiday, yeah. you maybe you want to raise intensity. Like, think about what what sort of music you listen to. If it's something that makes you sort of feel happy and maybe not angry, maybe you want to try and get a little bit more angry when it comes to training. Because maybe if you get a little bit angrier, you might be a little bit more aggressive, for example. Or if you're training with a friend, is that friend training at the same intensity as you, or if not better? Again, for example, myself and Blair had a session on Friday there. This is now yep. Wednesday, um, and that was probably the best session I had in a long, long time again. Yeah. about it at the end, but even just like training with someone to raise that roof, raise that intensity. Yeah,
0: 100%. oh, it does, it does, and I think I think something to go back for what Jack just said there as well is, is like training with intent. Now, like it's not, it's not that you have to go in and you've got to be like fucking hyping hyping yourself up for every training set that you go, eh, every set that you're going into. And, this, we don't mean this in a, in a sense of like you have to train like a bodybuilder and you have to put the headphones on and stick the hood up and, and get stuck into it and scream every rep. No, that's not what we're saying. What we mean by intent is you're training with a purpose. It has, you're gaining something from it. You want, you think about what you're wanting to gain from it when you're going in to do your training. That is where the intent comes from. That is going to help level up your training massively. So if you're if you're intent and your want from your training right now is to get leaner, to improve your confidence, to give yourself something back, then you need to then then thinking about these things when you're going into your training session, when you've got your music on, when you're warming up before you go into your training session, I can guarantee if you can get yourself into the headspace where you know what you're chasing, when you know what you're wanting, you will actually level up the intensity of your training within that that session itself, because Something like, I think, one thing that I massively miss is the level of intent that I had when in my prep season. Because literally every session I'd done, headphones were on, hood was up. I was thinking, and again, some people think this is mental, right? But I was just thinking about, how am I going to look on stage? I'm going to fucking better it. I'm going to fucking win. I'm going to step on that top step. I'm taking fucking gold here. That was the thought processes processes in my mind every session and the intensity w- has been fucking unmatched you know? yeah and
1: I, I totally agree on that because it's as well as like just knowing like what is it that you want out of today's session let's say for example again just let's say it was a leg session like myself and Blood on on Friday it's like what is it that you want out of this session what is the purpose behind this, today's session today I want to walk away with two more reps on pendulum squat two okay. more reps on my split squats, two more reps on my seated dumbbell shoulder press. If you go in and that's that sort of intent that we're talking about, that sort of purpose and intent, like you know today's an upper body day, you know today's a full body day and you love the fact that you're getting stronger at your shoulder press, but maybe you've been struggling recently. So to really focus on that shoulder press, you want, right? Even if even if you track it on like a book,
0: yeah.
1: or send it to your coach, send it to your friend. Like today, I want to get two more reps on my shoulder press have that intent of walking into that session and go boom. Because as as Blair said, it's like when you've got that sort of reason as to why you want to do it, um, and that's obviously why like us as coaches, we do obviously recommend you guys do have that why and have that reason as to why you want to do it. um, So that it is there, it's always like right here at the forefront of your mind um, because that's what you want to do is you want to have intent to reason and purpose behind what you're doing, but especially when it comes to training. Um, I think
0: I think just bodybuilding for us um, just kind of elevated that, you know, I elevated the understanding of it, I elevated the experience of it, which then means we can then take that into now life nowadays um, and and even utilising a little bit of that is going to put you at the forefront, you know, is going to give you a little bit more intensity within your session. So like I say, you don't have to be going in thinking, I want to be fucking more confident. You have to be fucking drilling that into the head but just going in and being like, this is why I'm here. This is what I want to get out of it. I might not be asked to be here. I might can't be fucked, but this is what I'm going to get from this. And it will begin to increase the intensity of what you do. Jack, what if, I know obviously we just spoke about intent and all that sort of stuff, but is there any part of it that you miss? We haven't covered that, have we?
1: No, we haven't. Um, there is. I would say there probably is. Um, some days, like when it comes round to sort of this time of year, when you start to see photos come up on your phone and things like that, you do, part of me does miss of how obviously lean I got, um, but more probably from a visual and like a vanity point of view, more than a functioning point of view, because that's probably the part that I don't miss, um, is how shit I felt, like how poor I felt, how low energy I was, low mood, low libido, Low everything, and um, probably not a nice person to be around at certain stages as those sort of stages go on. But I do miss on, on how sort of lean, um, I get. But that's probably one of the biggest things. Um, like I do miss that. And again, also going off the back of that, like I do miss the sort of intensity that I could create on my own. Um, and yeah. like the sessions where I used to go on on my own, like just chin on my own. Um, the intensity I was creating was unbelievable. Um, do I train with intensity now? Of course I do. Is it anywhere near what I did? No. Yeah. And I'm happy enough to admit that, um, which is obviously something I'm trying to now find, get back into the groove get again, at least, at least improve that 1%. So yeah, that was sort of what I'd say I would miss and sort of don't miss about it. And they sort of go hand in hand. Um, miss being how lean I am, but I don't miss being that lean. How from a functioning point of view, low mood, low libido, low energy, just low in general, and um, like I said, sometimes probably not a nice person to be around. So, to flip that, what would you say you miss, and what possibly do you not miss, Blair? Um,
0: I think, uh, yeah, I think obviously you touched on it a little bit. Like, I missed the, the intensity of the training because I don't think my or for, for a while, I think me and you spoke about this a wee while back. Um, anyway, my training hasn't been to that intensity, and I think that's for a while when I decided that I was stopping um bodybuilding for now. That um, I felt I lost that, and I think over the years I've been searching for it. But for me, it's kind of just now, kind of going back to the grassroots, and then and then and trying to build that intensity back up for sure. I think that's what I missed about within my training. Um, I also missed the kind of, I think the bodybuilding community is a funny one. Um, because it's <clears throat> yeah, it's a very cliquey. It's a very very cliquey community um unfortunately don't get me wrong i miss like show days were awesome fucking love that not feeling like, that feeling of show day and, and stepping on but not even that like like adamant like going backstage on both sides of things like i mean the last show there's 15 years all backstage you know all getting ready to go on all pumped up already all hyped to get on everybody's like Everyone's like, right, come on lads, let's fucking put on a good show. Everyone wants to put on a good show. It's not like as much as we're competing against each other. We're also fucking spurring each other on, which was mad. This is like fifteen. Like, like for me, it was like fourteen people I would never fucking known in my life. I hadn't spoke to them. Yeah. I mean, and they're all like, let's fucking go. You go on. You do your routine. You come off. Everybody be clapping you, high fiving you, giving you fist pumps. You know what I mean? It, like that sense of community. It's like I've never met this person in my life, but I could sit down and have dinner with. Them. You know, like. That, that sense of community, and that was all backstage through everyone you spoke to, and the people that stuck out like so thumbs were the people who were, um, you know, with their head up their own fucking arse. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I, I, miss, I miss that sense of, I miss that part of the community,
1: you know? And, and I, I would say it. for you guys listening, to give you thought, sort of that same feeling of what I think, I'm just slightly thinking here sitting listening to Blair, I would say for any of you guys that love to go on holiday, but you love the part of being in the airport, like as that's the start of your holiday, getting in a taxi or jumping in the car and driving to the airport, maybe getting a beer, getting a cocktail, getting a coffee, getting some breakfast, yeah. getting some food. That's that sort of, for me, that's the sort of same feeling as you would yeah. get that backstage. Like Whether, whether it's just that we five minutes listening to your own music, getting in the zone. Then as Blair said, it's sort of that excitement before the holiday. Yeah. That's the sort of excitement I would say would match it. Yeah.
0: What, what do I not miss? Um, I don't miss the come down uh i think for myself um post show um both times round, maybe maybe less actually the first time definitely the second time um time round was a hard period of time um just feeling quite down like my recovery post show was pretty again kind of thinking back some of it was to do with me but um yeah, recovery post show was pretty tough, uh, mentally, physically. Um, so I don't miss that. I think that I probably could have done it differently and handled it a lot better for sure. But if you had to ask me, that's something that I I don't miss. Like because it was a tough time um, for a couple of months. So um, yeah, and I think obviously you go through then the mental battles of post stage. Um, you know, the post post prep is a hard period of fucking time. You're then actively then putting on body weight, which goes against your full mentality of what you've had for the past six months. Yeah. Um, you're seeing scale weights go up. You're seeing your body get less conditioned, albeit healthier, albeit more energized, albeit better sleep, but that weighs on you. So, yeah, I think that's one part I do not fucking miss is having to go through that period. You know, I definitely do not struggle with seeing the scale weight going up and how my my physique can change nowadays, then when it did back then. It was a lot harder to take and a lot harder to adjust and understand.
1: But again, I think that, that goes I think that goes back to sort of what you mentioned and what we both mentioned there is you've now been on the other side. So that's why it yep. that's why it doesn't probably affect you as much now. Yep. Seeing that weight go up sometimes if you are eating a little bit more food or consuming a little bit more calories or trying to gain a little bit more weight, which is hopefully going to be part muscle, part body fat. It's just normal. But it's probably now been on the Flip side of that, and um, which is obviously when that when that when that part comes for clients and us to try and teach, it's usually sort of a hard process for clients to understand because nine clients, if not ten out of ten clients, come on board and straight away we take food down and show them what fat loss is. So, as you said, that's all they've ever known. And then all of a sudden, now as coaches are now trying to teach them to push back up. So yeah, um, I get that. Is there anything you want to finish on? Um, not even necessarily a sort one of percent takeaway because let not be anything to take away from this but just chat you want to finishing on anything
0: um, no, I mean I mean if you're if you're someone who's thinking about comp prep hopefully today or, or competing or potentially doing it hopefully today gives you a bit more of an insight into obviously myself and Jack's experiences and um our pros and cons and and, and opened your eyes just to what goes on like because look it's I love it. loved it i'll never say i didn't i fucking absolutely loved it um but you have to be in the right place right place and time of your life to do it um don't get me wrong you could do it at any point in time in your life but there's certainly times that you could choose that would be wiser to do it because it does take a lot from you you are very selfish at that moment in time so if you are planning on doing it maybe you do have family maybe you do have a partner maybe you've got kids maybe you're at that point, wherever you are in your life, the people that are around you that are going to be supportive of you, make sure they understand what they're about to go through. Like my mom hated it, like, especially the first time she didn't want me to do it. Second time, a little bit less, I wasn't living in the house. So maybe that was easier to deal with. Um, but I, yeah, I think you've got to make sure that they're aware and understand. And again, they're only going to see the cons. They're very rarely going to see the positives. And that's going to be your job to explain that to them. Because if you don't, they're not going to be able to be as supportive to you, which trust me me, is fucking huge. You want a lot of support when you're doing this, especially on your low days, because you will get them. But explaining to them, this is why I'm doing it. This is my reasoning. Because if you don't, you could then be fighting more battles than you need to. You're trying to put out more fires than need be. Then you feel like your partner doesn't fucking support you. And then suddenly you went from being in a fucking amazing relationship, Um, not that I've been through that but being you know I've seen people go through that being in an amazing relationship to now feeling like your relationship's on the fucking rocks but it's simply just due to a lack of communication so for me hopefully you've got a big understanding my biggest bit of advice is if you're planning to do it make sure the people around you know why you're doing it they can't argue with that your reasoning is your reasoning they can't argue but you owe it to them and to yourself to explain them so that they at least know why because then they're going to be in a better place to understand and support you as well, and support is the biggest thing. And then secondly, um, yeah, get a coach who get a coach who cares, coach who's got your best interests at heart. Because the one thing that I've seen, especially from going to a couple of shows actually recently, um, is that your coach should, and be telling you and doing everything that's got your best interests at heart, physically, mentally, and on show too. You know, there is some people that step on stage that ultimately, both myself and Jack will say that as well, that probably shouldn't be stepping on stage, you know? Um, and that's down to their coach.
1: Yeah, exactly, because you've got to think you're, you, you've you got someone's life, you've got someone's health um, in your hands. But yeah, just to go back on the sort of support side of things before we finish things up, yeah, 100%, I couldn't agree more on that with regards to having, a one, a support network, um, but also to uh. As Blair says, that's just down to communication. That like you have to just communicate that. Um, have have the people around you understand what it is that you're going to do. How it is again. Remember, if it's your first time, you might not know how you're going to feel. But at least explain you're going to have a rough idea. that yeah. yeah, as Blair says, you are going to have low days. But even on a on a normal fat loss phase, out with a competition prep, you're going to have bad days anyway. That also comes down to communication. Um, but I also say like myself and. Uh, Rachel, my partner we started dating when I was deep in a prep um, so again that was always something that I had to be totally honest with and like right now I am going to be selfish as I can be because this does not change um, but again that's just a communication thing, I had to explain that to Rachel but also Rachel had to be open and honest with me saying I'm happy with that or I'm not happy with it um, and go from there quite clearly she must have been happy with it <laughs> so, you must-
0: you mustn't have been that much abolic to be around me.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was just switched off for me, but um, yeah, but that that sort of comes massively. So yeah, hopefully you guys have managed to take something away from this. It's definitely been sort of something that's been a big part of myself and Blur's life. Yeah. Um, probably been a, a big sculptor as to who we are as people and uh, Um So yeah, we just hope that you guys take something away from our experience on bodybuilding and in bodybuilding, and as always any questions you guys have got individually, more than welcome to drop us a message on Instagram. Um, But other than that, anything else you want to finish off on, feel free.
0: All good, man. Sounds good. Been another good one. So thank you for listening, guys. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.